Current mandates are forcing people to feel like they must choose between civil obedience and Christian obligations. Are there biblical principles that can guide us in this discussion? Are you ready to face the truth? Face the Truth is the weekly podcast from the Truth Church of Olathe, Kansas, with our pastor and Bible teacher, Bishop Gregory Riggin. Thank you to everyone who is listening in. I trust that today's episode will be a blessing to all of those who tune in. Bishop Riggin, COVID has impacted many people, and it is a topic that probably most people dislike talking about. However, there are vaccine mandates that are directly impacting many people in a very personal way. A decision point is being forced upon them, and now they are facing a very difficult decision. Can you provide some of your insights on how these decisions should be approached? Yes, sir. And let me do my very best to begin, first of all, to say that it is not our intention on Face the Truth to deal with things from a political standpoint. Uh, I will tell you, I had a long conversation with my daughter today, who is a registered nurse, and she and I both were bemoaning the fact that these vaccines, the whole COVID issue has been so politicized, and not just from one side. It's come from both sides. People have forgotten that prior to the last election, uh, the Democrats were actually very vocal in warning people, don't take this vaccine, don't do this, we don't trust this. Right. And then once the election was over, then the Democrats saying everyone needs to do this, and the Republicans are saying, don't trust this, the government's trying to force you into something you don't want to do. And it's all become so politicized that we can no longer just go to the internet as we're used to doing and get straightforward information. Right. And what my daughter and I were discussing today was just the fact that we feel like people could be so much better informed if there was some way to get politics out of this whole thing. Having said that, the last thing I want to do in any situation is to start bringing politics into our podcast. That's not what Face the Truth is all about. And we are certainly not here to push any kind of political agenda or party. We want to look at things from a biblical standpoint. And so in dealing with this mandate and the government issuing these requirements that people must do things in order to keep their employment, it becomes a matter of people having to make some decisions and they are forced into these decisions. They might not otherwise make the decisions and some might. But the question before us today is how do we address this as apostolics? Right. What do we do as the people of God when the government issues some requirement? Are we obligated to do whatever the government tells us to do? Should we reject what the government says and just say, no, we, 
are part of God's kingdom, and so we don't listen to these rules and regulations. There really are extremes on both sides. And I think that you men know if there's anything I have strived to maintain in my life, and especially as a pastor, it is balance. I don't want to go to any extreme when it comes to making decisions or setting policies. That doesn't mean that I want to just tiptoe through the tulips on everything that comes around. There are times we have to make stands one side or the other. But at the same time, I want us to be very careful about going to extremes. And in a previous podcast, I even discussed how balance is not innate within humanity. It is a, an acquired trait. We have to learn how to balance. A baby is not born being able to sit up. It has to learn how to sit up. Then it has to learn how to stand. It has to learn how to walk. It has to learn you know, how to ride a bike and so on. And it's a matter of, of learning, acquiring, developing a sense of balance. Without that sense of balance, you will fall to one side or the other. And this carries over in our spiritual lives as well as it does the natural. We have to be able to maintain some balance. And that's what I want to try to do. I want to try to approach this subject today from a biblical perspective, and I want it to be a balanced biblical perspective. Right. So there are some things that I feel like I can offer to our listeners to help them. If it's not the mandate today, there's going to be something else in the future that the government's going to do or require that people have to make decisions about. Now, you all are too young to remember this, and I'm almost too young, believe it or not, to remember it. I really came into the church at a time, it was 1972 when I prayed through, but I have vivid memories of people in 1972 who were still very much opposed to apostolics being assigned a social security number. Uh, Their claim was, all right, they're giving everyone a number. This is setting us up for the mark of the beast. And so they were warning people, don't take this number. Don't do this. I even remember one man, and this was a number of years later. This was up into the 80s. And there was a man who was making a big to-do about the new zip codes where they added the four digits on the end of our normal five, giving us a nine-digit number. Uh, And he said... He made this big thing about sending a letter that did not have the person's name, but it had the nine digits of their social security number and the nine digits of their zip code, which makes 18 digits, which he was claiming was 666. That's 18. And he said, I wanted to try this. So I took an envelope and I put the social security number and the nine digit zip code. That's all I put on the envelope. And I mailed it, and they got it. It was delivered. And so he then used that to say, you know, between the nine-digit zip code that identifies where your house is and your nine-digit social security number that identifies who you are, this is the mark of the beast. 
Well, obviously that's, can I say it? No, I can't say it nicely. That's ignorant. <laughs> I guess that's the nice way of saying it. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice way of saying it. All right. I, I have a lot of other terms that I could use, but, but I'm not going to go there. It's just ignorant. The fact of the matter is the nine-digit zip code alone is all that's needed to be sent to a particular house because every house right. has that extra four digits to identify where that's going. So the Social Security number wasn't even part of it. But be that as it may, I'm just saying that there has always been something that comes along that people look at the book of Revelation and they say, this is it. This is it. This right. is the mark of the beast. And we can't do this. We can't go here. We can't, we can't follow these requirements. So what I want to do, I want to try to give people some balanced guidance from the scripture so that we're not always either jumping on a bandwagon or putting roadblocks in front of everyone else's right. bandwagon for some far out idea that really may have no relevance to the scripture whatsoever. And there may be some relevance, but it may not be what they think that it is. So first of all, let me, let me give you some principles here. First of all, we do have an obligation in most circumstances to obey our civil government. Now, I did put a qualifier in there. I said, in most circumstances, and I'll explain why there's a qualifier there. But there is an obligation. I know men that disagree with this take on Romans chapter 13, but if you study this passage, there is no way scripturally to come up with anything other than Paul setting forth our obligation as Christians to do our part to obey the government that's over us. And remember, the government in Paul's day was as corrupt and vile, right. sinful, carnal, whatever else we want to say. Paul had to deal with that kind of government, too. He wasn't dealing with a Christian government when he wrote the things that he wrote. Now, I do know men who take Romans 13 and say, no, no, that's not talking about civil government. That's talking about the ministry. Well, there's some problems with that. Let's, let, let me read here. Romans 13, verses 1 through 6. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Now, before we go any further, the word powers there in the Greek is exousia. It is authority. And that's what the apostle's dealing with here. It's authority. So let every soul be subject unto the higher authorities. For there is no authority but of God. The authorities that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the authority resisteth the ordinance or the institution of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. 
And this is where I think sometimes people get this all twisted Certainly. because he uses this term minister. He's not using it as a preacher. He's using it as a servant. And he's saying civil authorities are the servants of God for our good benefit, even if they're not good. Hmm. And I can explain that in a few moments. But, and if I forget, you may have to remind me. But let's, let's continue. He is the minister of God to thee for good. This is verse 4. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. Now, again, some people want to spiritualize that. Oh, that's the word of God. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For, For this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. So first of all, this word tribute is a very specific word. And it was their word for taxes. This is not talking about tithing. This is not talking about ministerial offerings. This is a very direct statement about this is why you pay taxes. Is so that you have this governmental system that is in theory watching over you and protecting you and paul saying when you go against that authority they wield the sword you're going to be punished for violating whatever civil laws they institute that's what he's talking about now again people argue and i don't want to turn this into that discussion but people say well you know was hitler ordained of god was mussolini ordained of god was well was nebuchadnezzar ordained of god that's my answer to their question the fact of the matter is nebuchadnezzar had major problems right but did god use him sure did absolutely he did and he used him to bring the people of god to a place where they would again remember the God they had forsaken and forgotten. So God used this heathen authority who had all kinds of problems, created idols, put the worshipers of God in the fiery furnace. But God used that man to bring his people to a place they needed to be. The ordinance of God does not necessarily dictate the favor of God. That word ordinance means institution. So God institutes something. He may not be in favor of everything they do, but he institutes it for a reason and for a purpose. And this is what Paul's telling us. So he makes it very clear. We need to be subject to the higher authorities. And then he says, there is no authority except what comes from God. And the authorities that exist have been put there by God. Well, that's a big statement, and that's hard for us to swallow when we don't like whoever it is that's in political power. And, you know, the thoughts of, well, they, they stole the election or they did whatever, and, you know, be that as it may, whatever, I'm telling you, God's big enough, strong enough, powerful enough, if he wanted to, he could he could overturn whatever man's trying to overturn. Right. 
so we have to keep all of this in mind. God has brought us to a place for a reason and for a purpose. And so when possible, we have an obligation to obey the government. Now, as I said when I began, there is a caveat. There are exceptions. Let me explain that to you. I want you to notice that there is no authority but of God or but from God. Here's what we learn in this passage, that genuine authority begins with God. And authority flows down from God. No one is an authority to themselves. All authority must be derived from what God grants. Without getting too far off the subject here, let's just think about something. The scripture is very clear that women are to be in subjection to their husbands. So then the question comes to me as a pastor, all right, my husband wants me to do something the Bible says I'm not supposed to do. How do I deal with that? Right. I'm supposed to obey my husband, but I have to obey the Bible. The answer is this. True authority is driven from God. It's given by God. If it contradicts the authority of God, that's not real authority. That's usurped authority. That's good. That doesn't belong to them. So a husband doesn't have the authority to tell his wife to violate a higher authority. Right. It'd be like a store manager saying, you have to do what I say, not what the CEO says. Right. Well, you, you better understand that CD, CEO can fire the manager <laughs> because that's the ultimate authority here. And that's the way we see this. And when we look at civil government, it's the same thing. The moment civil government violates God's authority, they have usurped authority that really doesn't belong to them. This is why in Acts chapter 5, Peter's called before the council. Uh, he and John have been told, don't preach in this name anymore. And they're given all these explicit instructions by the authorities that existed and Peter responds in Acts 5.29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now look, we can't pull any scripture out of its context and let it stand alone. All scripture has got to be taken with the rest of scripture. Always let scripture interpret scripture. Always compare it with other scripture. So there's no contradiction between Paul's writing in Romans 13 and Peter's statement in Acts 5. No contradiction. Paul says, obey the authorities that exist. Peter says, it's better to obey God than man. There's no contradiction here. Because what Paul said was, all authority flows down from God. So the moment man's authority tries to supersede God's, we're not obligated to obey that. We are only obligated to obey them as long as the things they say and do do not directly violate 
God's authority. So when they tell Peter and the apostles, you can't preach in Jesus' name, there's no decision to be made here. The decision's already settled. We're going to obey God. As long as they give you guidelines that do not contradict God's authority, then we are obligated to obey them. Same thing with the wife. Obey your husband as long as he's not trying to contradict God. But let's say, let's say that some father walks in and says, from this day forward, Friday night is family night. We're going to have family night on Friday night. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be our time to get together. All right. Well, there's no scripture that says you cannot have time with your family on a Friday night. Right. No scripture that says you have to. But the man is well within his authority because he's not violating God. Now, if he says, we're going to have family night on Sunday while you're supposed to be in church, that's a different story, you see. He doesn't have the authority to go against God's authority. But he's got authority as long as it doesn't contradict. Same thing is true with our civil government. As long as they are not telling us that we have to violate what the scripture says, then it is my contention we are obligated to obey the civil authorities. Now, having said that, let me also say that even when they are in violation of God's principles, there's nothing wrong with, in fact, it's probably the best option to use the government's methods of appeal rather than just say, we're not going to comply, bless God, at least try to use the system that's there. And I say that because the apostle Paul did that exact thing. Acts chapter 25, he says, this is verse 11. If I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. And so Paul says, they've laid a lot of things on my charge. And I'm not guilty. I am a Roman citizen. And not everyone was considered a citizen. There were citizens and there were subjects. Paul happened to have citizenship. And because he had citizenship, it granted him certain rights that others didn't have. Those who were just subjects couldn't appeal to Caesar, but a okay. citizen could. Paul took advantage of his citizenship. And rather than just say, bless God, you guys can't touch me. I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. You let me out of this prison or I'm calling the fire of God down on you. He said, I'm going to use the system. Now, right. there are those who would argue he did the wrong thing and say he should never have done that, that he probably wouldn't have been put to death. But the Lord had already told him he was going to have to testify before kings and authorities. And, and this was all set and so Paul used the system that was available to him. And then furthermore, we get down in verse 25, uh, the same chapter, Acts 22, verse 25. As they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion that stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? 
Now, they're getting ready to go out and and whip this man using a, a scourge, a, a whip. And Paul says to them, he just asks a question. Is it lawful for you to do what you're about to do, seeing that I am a Roman citizen? And the man then asked him, of course, if you read on the story, are you then a Roman citizen? And he said, yeah. He said, how did you gain citizenship? He said, I, it cost me a great price to become a citizen. And Paul said, I was freeborn. I, I, I don't know what his history was, how this came about, but somehow Paul was born into citizenship in Rome. Hmm. And so he had these rights and he appealed to the rights that were given him. He didn't just stand up and say, I've got God's authority behind me. He did use the system. Now, I know sometimes that doesn't work, and there are times we have to make a stand. So I, right. I want everyone to understand what I'm saying. But just going out and, and saying, bless God, they're wrong, we're going to do what we, and we've seen that. We saw that during COVID. We saw certain individuals who took to the public stage to claim we're not doing this that the government said, and we're not doing that that the government said, and we won't wear masks, and we won't whatever. And, and that's between them and God. But I contend that the better method, because honestly, and I believe both of you men would agree with this, and I think most of our listeners would agree, in the long run, that did not help the apostolic cause. Correct. It really created much more damage for us because everybody threw us into that same lump. Correct. And said, we're just like they are. And that was not the case. It hurt us, I believe, to, to make that kind of stand rather than just saying, look, I don't care what anybody says. Requiring us to wear a mask is not a violation of any principle that God has given us. I don't like it. Right. I can't breathe very well if I wear it for very long. It affects me. I'm not happy with it. Well, they say it's a violation of our civil rights. And, and that's another area. We're not going to get into the politics of it. But if we're looking at this from a strictly biblical standpoint, there is no Bible that says we cannot wear a mask. So if the government says you need to wear one, I'm going to put one on. Right. I'm going to do my best to comply where I can comply so that when a time comes that I cannot comply, they'll know I'm not just some rebel out here that's been fighting every step of the way. I've drawn my lines carefully. And that's what I'm hoping I can do in this series of podcasts. Thank you, Bishop, for your sound guidance. And more importantly, giving us tools to look at life's decisions by applying balanced biblical principles. Listeners, join us next week as we cover the remaining principles. Thank you to everyone who has joined us for today's podcast. We want you to know that we are here to help you in any way we can. If there is anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to contact us. Send your prayer requests to prayer at OlayTheTruth.com. That's prayer at OlayTheTruth.com. If you live in the Kansas City metropolitan area, we invite you to join us for our services this week, Sunday morning at 10, Sunday evening at 6.
and Tuesday evening at 7.30. For those who cannot attend, we will provide a live stream on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, and our website, olathetruth.com slash live. Until our next podcast, take care and God bless.